Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're going to take a look at the Word of God comparing two words, contentment and desires. Can the two coexist together? The answer is yes. You can be content in life, and if you never got anything else, be content with that. That will make you happy. It also makes God happy. But that's also the foundation that God wants to use to bless you with even more. He looks for contented Christians to bless with even more. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. I'm going to be talking to you today and speaking to you from my book on God's heart for giving. And uh, this book wasn't uh, published that long ago, but there's chapters in here. In fact, really just individual lessons, 52 of them. And each one is for a week, just something to meditate on, think about, a thought from the Word of God about God's blessing to us and the proper use of money in the kingdom of God. God doesn't care how much money you have as long as that money doesn't have you. And we'll be talking about that today because God's desire is to bless you if he can trust you. And we're going to talk about it again. This becomes the foundation. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. While you're doing that, let me just talk to you about the proper use of giving is to give into the kingdom of God. It's he that gives you power to get wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's he that gives you power to get wealth in order that his covenant may be established, which is in the earth. And his covenant is, has always been the gospel. Old Testament, during the law, after the law. Today, it's always been the gospel. And God's greatest use of you having finances is to give to win others. Everything else that you spend your money on is temporary. Food, clothing, car, house, all that's temporary. But every soul is eternal. Everyone that you turn into a from a convert into a disciple is eternal. Everything you do with that money, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, is eternal. No wonder angels don't rejoice because you bought yourself a new BMW. Angels don't rejoice because you bought yourself a house or built a swimming pool. I mean, God doesn't care if you have these things. Again, as these things don't have you, that's the most important thing. But angels don't rejoice over that because it's temporary. But angels rejoice over one sinner that repents because that's why Jesus came to give us eternal life. So I'd love for you to give into the broadcast. I have my main objective with this broadcast is making converts into disciples. It's part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is divided into two sections. Number one, the number one section is this, and that's going to all the world and preach the gospel. And the second part of that is going to all the world and make disciples, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. So again, we love seeing people saved on this broadcast. I love seeing people seeing, being saved when I was a pastor. But the bulk of the people that came and attended the church were already Christians, so they needed to grow up in the things of God. I always wove a salvation message in that for those that might be there that don't know Jesus, but the main emphasis in the church service was making disciples. That's what we're doing here, and especially those that are called into ministry to where you too will one day take the mantle of the ministry. So again, if you'd love to give into this, in fact, again, I've said this on every broadcast just about, but there are some out there I know. It's in my heart. God's already spoken to you. You just haven't done it yet. I always come up with something. Well, and you'll watch the broadcast and conviction comes on. You go, I'm supposed to be giving into his ministry. And yet when the broadcast is over, you go on your way and you kind of forget about it until you see it again. And once in a while, God will prod you about it. And here's Bob. I'm Bob acting like God, prodding you to say to you, we have lots of great things we're going to do. If this ministry means something to your heart, why don't you give? 
and be generous in your giving and make yourself a partner with me along with other thousands of people that are partners with me in this ministry. I'd love for you to join in with them. So go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place there on there, on the face page where you can go and become a partner with me. I'd love to see you become a partner with me. Join those again who are being blessed giving in this ministry. One day in heaven, you will stand there and go, man, I'm glad I gave into the ministry. I'm glad I gave into all ministries and I'm glad I gave into Bob's ministries. Look at all the people that are here because of the ministry, the churches, the churches that started, the people that got saved out of those churches. It just keeps going on and on. Seed just keeps on multiplying. BobYandian.com, become a partner with me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five is where I'm gonna begin. And here Paul is bringing out instruction toward the end of the book of Hebrews about the proper use of money. And he says in Hebrews 13 and verse five, let your conduct, the Greek word means lifestyle, let your lifestyle visible to people around you be without covetousness. The word covetous is literally the Greek word for the love of money. Let your lifestyle in front of the world and in front of Christians be without the love of money and be content with the things that you have. For he has himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This verse is saying in this verse, it's talking about the love of money, the love of money, as is declared in the book of Timothy, is the root of all evil. The root of all evil means all evil came from this one root, the love of money. Well, where did evil begin? In the heart of Lucifer. What did Lucifer do? He rebelled against God. But if you go back and read that in the Old Testament where he fell, you'll find out that he simply said, because of his love for the gold and all the, and all the silver and all the, the jewels and all the things that was given to him, it says, they have filled the midst of you with violence. In other words, the love of money was the root that caused the downfall of Satan. Lucifer became Satan and has spread everything everywhere. And honestly, if you want to find out anything in government, you want to find anything in perversion, you want to find anything, anything in uh, corruptness, lawlessness, always go to this one thing, follow the money trail. It's money is the root of all evil. And all this stuff is done for the stuff you can hold in your hand, the selling of lives and the murder of people and uh, the, the abuse toward people. All this stuff comes back to it, that it's the love of money. So this verse says to be totally opposite from the world, let your lifestyle be without the love of money and be content with the things you have. Why? For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have something you cannot lose. You can have money and lose it. I mean, look at the economy around us. You can lose your money so fast. It's incredible. Nothing is sure when it comes to money because the money is being held right now by the world system. God can bring it out when you operate in faith and love toward him. He'll move money out of this world and give it to you. But it's still part of this world system and will be till Jesus comes back. So let your lifestyle be without the love of money and be content with the things that you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now go with me to Psalm 35. The first verse we looked at had to do with contentment. Be content as a Christian. Be content with the fact that God has saved you. Jesus is your Lord. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He will never move out. Understand you're gonna always be a Christian. There's nothing you can do right now in your life to forfeit what you have as far as your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're gonna be born again throughout life and enter into heaven. I mean, your whole eternity is secure. So just be content with what you have. But Psalm 35 and verse 27 says this, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. That's soul winning. That's always God's righteous cause. And then let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You know what? This, these two verses seem to contradict each other. 
Hebrews 13, 5 says, be content with what you have. But then in Psalm 35 says, God wants to bless you and prosper you more than ever. What is this simply saying? God's greatest possession in life is, is Jesus himself. Why? Because Jesus in you is eternal and the eternal life he's given you inside is eternal. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called eternal life or everlasting life. God has not given us intermittent life. He has not given us an intermittent savior. He's given us an eternal savior. And and what God gives to us at the point of the new birth is absolutely forever. Understand, you become content with that, but second, God's also second greatest uh, wisdom is also eternal godly wisdom. Your foundation for future blessing is a relaxed and content attitude about your present life in Jesus Christ and to keep growing in the word of God, giving into God's kingdom, expecting generous returns. Why? Because God looks for contented Christians to bless with more than what they have. Contentment is the greatest possession you can have as a Christian in life, not things. So don't just settle into contentment and forget your desires. God has given you the ability to create more and more desires in your life and also bless you with those desires. Contentment is the stability that keeps your desires in check. Contentment is the proper foundation for your desires to be built upon, and contentment is your guarantee of durable riches. What God looks for, it's kind of like this. God looks to bless Christians, but the first thing he looks for is, are they contented? You know what that word means? If they never got anything else, they would still be happy with what they've got. Would they be happy with more? Of course they would, because they already know what to do. Contentment is your foundation that God wants to use to bless you with more and more and more. So it comes back to this again. You're always going to be in the life looking this way. This is what the Bible speaks to. The Bible seems to speak to Christians as really, you know, part of that part of the, not the wealthy and not the poor. He primarily blesses us to those in between the middle income of every society. So God looks at us in that middle level right there. You know, the free market system produces a large middle and upper class. It always has, always will. But God would love to fill that middle class and upper middle class with wealthy believers, those he can trust who will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, we live in that type of a nation right now is the United States of America. And there's other nations around the world which are strongly, again, into the free market system. But the Bible speaks of the very wealthy and the Bible speaks of the very poor. In other words, it's addressing Christians and says, when you look to this side, don't become jealous of their riches. On this side, don't look at their poverty and say, well, what a wonderful life just to not have any obligations. He says, don't be jealous of either one. In other words, God is speaking to us and God desires us to be able to walk right down the middle to be again part of that middle and upper middle class. This is what God delights in doing. The Bible speaks again of the very wealthy, but it also speaks of the very poor. And there's always gonna be those in life who have more than us and those who seemingly have less than us, although you can't tell totally from outward appearance. I remember one time I was the manager of a store and we sold electronic equipment. I mean, we had stereos. This was the time when component stereos first came out. We had receivers of, you know, that put out aluminum power, always were huge power. We had big speakers in there, smaller speakers and, you know, desktop speakers and shelf speakers, all that kind of stuff, turntables. Anyway, we sold all that stuff. And there was a guy that came in one day 
Nobody thought about it, but I looked at him when he came through the door and this guy came in, he drove his pickup truck in there and there was hay, you know, in the back of it. He came in and he had his, he had his overalls on and he had been out there, looked like he'd been working around the cows all day long and, and bringing in the hay. And he came in and he just simply walked in and, you know, he had his bib overalls on, but one of the, one of the, straps on it was undone on the one side. I remember, I always remember that. Anyway, he came in, his hair was kind of askew and all that. And he came in and nobody wanted to help him. Just by his appearance, nobody wanted to help him. And so, no, and I was the manager of the store, so I didn't want to stand there and chew everybody out. So I walked right over to him and said, sir, can I help you? He said, yeah, my son's getting ready to graduate high school. I, you know, everybody looked around and went, yeah, I've never thought about that. I mean, here it is coming up May and graduation's coming. He says, but my son's graduating from high school, is getting ready to go to college, and I want to buy him one of them stereo systems. And I said, well, that's fine. I, and I, looking at him, I thought, well, let's, let's aim for kind of maybe a lower one. He's, I said, what do you want? I said, what's the best you got? And I told him we had some there, you know, 10, 12, 15,000. Well, I don't want to spend that much, but how about just a little lower than that? And he picked out one of the most incredible, and the, the rest of the staff stood there looking, thinking they could have had a commission on that sale. But I got the commission off the sale. I was the manager, and my commission was less than theirs. But I just delighted in helping him. So I pointed this out and pointed that out. When he left, and it was time to pay, I thought maybe he would write me a check or something. He pulled out a wad of $100 bills and just started sliding them off like that. That sale was about nine or $10,000. The outward appearance can fool you. But again, what God is saying is don't be fooled by the outward appearance. And on top of that, don't be fooled by what you think they possess and own. The greatest possession in life is godliness. See you right after the break. The purpose of God's heart for giving is to be a guidebook to scriptural giving, returning believers to the highest reason for godly prosperity, giving to the work of the local church and to the great commission of winning souls. When we give with the right motive, our personal prosperity is a return on giving out of love for God and a love for people. When we give our temporary money into an offering, it will produce eternal results in the lives of others. God's heart for giving is made up of 52 short outlines that make up a thought, not a sermon. These giving inspirations can be divided into more individual thoughts or can be made into a full teaching for a later sermon or series on giving. To order God's Heart for Giving, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. 
If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's get back to the two verses we started with. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five, let your lifestyle be without covetousness. You know what? The love of money can be seen by others. You cannot have the love of money without it affecting your with you know, what you talk about, how you act, what you look at, how you dress and all this. And there's nothing wrong with dressing fine, but the point of it is, is don't brag about your money. It says in this verse of scripture, let your lifestyle be without the love of money and then be content with the things that you have. Well, Bob, wouldn't you like to have more things? Yes, I would, but you know what? If I don't get them, it's not that big a deal. Yes, I'd like to have some more things. Yes, when I see a, new, a shirt on somebody, I think it looks like I'd like to go buy that. But you know what? If I never got it, I'm not gonna fall over dead of a heart attack, die in anger or anything, nothing like that. For the verse goes on to say, for he, God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The greatest possession you have in life is eternal and it gets better all the time. The more I understand God, the more I understand my redemption, the more I understand Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and especially the word of God. Oh my Lord. I mean, I just get elated by this. It just keeps getting better and better and better. There's nothing I can buy in life that does this. Everything I buy eventually wears out. Shirts wear out, cars wear out, homes wear out. You have to constantly keep fixing them, but not the things of God. They just keep getting better and better. So he simply says, let your lifestyle be without the love of money. In other words, be content with what you have. But Psalm 35, 27, and these are just two verses. One verse is just one of many that talks about contentment. And Psalm 35 is just one verse among many that talks about God wants you to prosper. Psalm 35, verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, that soul winning, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So this verse again, these two verses seem to contradict each other. Your greatest possession in life is Jesus and it is eternal. Second greatest possession is godly wisdom. Why? It's also eternal. And then your foundation for future blessing is a relaxed and content attitude about your present life in Jesus Christ and that you keep growing in the word of God and giving into God's kingdom, expecting then generous returns. In other words, God is looking for contented Christians to bless with more. Contentment is the greatest possession as a Christian you can have in life, not things. God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added unto you. Things are things you drive and things you wear and things you live in. This and things are things you have in your pocket, money, credit cards, things like those are just things. But God says, don't put things above everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Don't settle into contentment and then forget your desires. God gives you the ability to desire more in life, but contentment is the stability that keeps your desires in check. Contentment is the proper foundation for your desires to be built upon, and contentment is your guarantee of durable riches. I remember there's been times in my life, and Loretta and I, I mean, I remember one time when we first went to work for Kenneth Hagin, I thought the message of prosperity was just way out there, but he taught it in such balance, I began to listen to it, but he all of a sudden began to make sense. God does want us to prosper, and literally you can find scriptures in the Bible, stand on them, begin to use them, but Loretta and I had this idea 
that if we just believe it, it's all going to come in at one time. And we had our, we had needed in our, in our marriage of about $10,000. We could be out of debt. The car paid for and all that. If we just had $10,000, the home wouldn't be paid for, but just these natural things around us, uh, beneath the home could be. And then we would start tackling the home after that. And so, I, I, I produced cassette tapes. I did it for Kenneth Hagin Ministries. I was not a teacher there yet, but I just began to understand that message of prosperity that God does want us to prosper if our attitude is right, if our priorities are right, and if I'm, again, like this verse I was talking about, if I'm content with the things that I have, then that's the foundation God looks to bless with me for more because he knows that I will be quick to give it away if I'm content with what I have. So anyway, we both held hands together because there was a conference coming to town. They asked me to duplicate cassette tapes and then sell them. And they got a dollar off every cassette. I got like the next two to three dollars off of it myself. So I used that as a tithe into that ministry and then or, and then I kept the rest of it. And so we trusted each other. We held hands with each other and said, Lord, we believe that at the end of this conference, which people are coming from around the United States to come here, we are going to clear $10,000. And so we trust God. We were excited about it all. That. Then the, the conference came and after it was all over, I cleared about $4,500. We looked at each other and said, but we trusted God. In other words, our trust was in what we thought God was going to do, not understanding that God does it in increments. God does it in degrees. He doesn't just dump it all at one time. God brings a little at a time. Why? To keep you trusting him. But yes, because prosperity is an ever-building thing. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Your soul doesn't prosper overnight. You don't get the whole realm of doctrine overnight. You learn it a piece at a time, a one, one step at a time. This is how you progress in things of God, and this is how prosperity comes. And after it was over, we just sat down, and all of a sudden we started laughing, saying, you know what? We start putting our will against God's will. Does God want us to prosper? Yes, but we put it on top of that. We could tell him how quickly we wanted to. No, that was my flesh entering in, and that was, quote, the love of money. Let your contentment be seen to all people and don't let them see the love of money. Do not display the love of money in front of other people, but be content with what you have. So we came back to it. If no money would have come in at all, we'd have still been content with Jesus, content with our salvation, content with our walk with him. But that was the foundation God was looking to bless us. And since that time, he's blessed us more and more and more. But guess what? Our giving has increased more and more and more. There are always some, again, who have more than us and some who have less. I got on this in the first half of the broadcast, but let's talk about this. The Bible addresses you as a Christian and speaks in this, this regard, especially the book of Proverbs. It says, don't become jealous of those that are wealthy but also says, don't become jealous of those who are very poor. In other words, you look at the wealthy with all their possessions, but then you look at the poor with all their lack of responsibility. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to not have anything and not have all these bills and not have all these things that we have to purchase and then not we purchase something that we have to buy a, a contract for. I mean, the things just keep mounting up. And wouldn't it be nice just to you know not have much money and, and not really think about it every day? No, what this verse is saying is don't be jealous of both extremes. The Bible seems to be addressed primarily to those in between the middle income of every society. On this side, you have the wealthy. On this side, you have the poor, which most of them are misers. As I said in the first half of this broadcast, you know, there's many that appear to be poor that really are wealthy underneath. But anyway, you look at those, but you're in the middle. And again, as I pointed out, we live in a country where the free market system is, and the free market system is known among all types of systems to produce a very large middle 
and upper middle class system. And this is what produces great wealth. The great wealth of the country is not held over here by the few that are billionaires or maybe even trillionaires today. It's held by this massive group of people in the middle that have more than enough to buy the things around them, but they're still not mega, mega wealthy. But on the other hand, they're not broke. Again, the free market system produces that large middle upper class group. And God would love to fill that middle group, that large middle class group with prosperous believers who will freely use their income to help spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what should your attitude be both toward the rich and both toward the poor? Look at Proverbs 23. I would take a look at verses one through six. And here it's simply saying, whenever you happen to be invited to come and sit with a dignitary, watch yourself because there's a tendency to want the things he has. In other words, you live with what you have, you're happy with what you have, but all of a sudden you see somebody with more than you have, and all of a sudden this lust begins to rise in that is the love of money. Squash it, put it down, stop and think. This guy may not have eternal life. If I have eternal life and zero possessions, I have more than he does. Eternal life is the greatest possession anybody can have. So look at what you have. Are they born again? Are they spirit-filled? You're spirit-filled. Maybe they're not. They don't understand the word of God. Even though they're born again, they still walk by their senses and all this. Oh yeah, they're gonna go to heaven, but they can have so much more in life. And God says that the promises of the word of God are better than gold and silver and rubies and diamonds and all these other things. And the word of God is more valuable. Proverbs chapter 23, look at verse one. When you sit down to eat a meal with a ruler, consider carefully what is set before you and put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. This verse has been used and it can be used for this by simply saying, don't be a glutton. If you wanna eat everything in front of you, put a knife to your throat and control yourself. Now that is a biblical principle, but that's not what's being said here. It's simply saying when you sit down and you look at the wealth in that man's house and suddenly lust begins to rise up inside of you, just like you would put a knife to your throat, put a knife to that appetite to want more and more things in life. The abundance of things is not what life is all about. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he gives to you as you walk with him in faith and then blesses you. And that can even increase in life as your contentment increases in life. It says in verse three, do not desire his delicacies for they are deceptive food. Do not overwork. The King James says, don't labor, labor hard. That's true. Do not labor hard or overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eye on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven and do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. The desire to be like the very rich or the, the miser are both an example of the love of money. You say, well, a guy with no money doesn't have the love for money. Oh, yes, he does. You don't have to have money to have the love of money. And in fact, if you find a penny, you grab it. If you find a nickel on the ground, you grab it. You hold on to it as tight as you can. You squeeze as tight as you can. And probably this verse is saying, neither the very wealthy or the miser are really content in life. If you keep seeking wisdom, wisdom comes with two hands. And in those two hands, are the blessings that God has. Proverbs 3, verse 13 through 16 says this, 
Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot be compared with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand is riches and honor. Keep following after the word of God and you'll find in the right hand is length of days, that's health, and in the left hand is riches and honor. The right hand is the prominent hand. Why not put money in the right hand? No, put health in this hand so you can live long long enough to enjoy the left hand. Again, this is what the verses say. Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three tell us that this is the same thing we should be teaching our children. Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse three, that it may be prosperous with you and you may live long on the earth. When you train your children up in the ways of God, they will have the right hand, which is length of days, and in the left hand, they will have extreme prosperity. Again, third John two, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Again, contentment and desires can walk hand in hand and produce a very blessed life. Don't forget, this is all found in my book on God's heart for giving. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.